When I was a child, um, I'm sure you did too, but when I was a child, I often used to hear the, the, the saying used that sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And of course, that was an out-and-out lie. Um, it's completely untrue, but it's often used, and usually as a response to being hurt by some words. If you got called a name in the playground, um, that's what you'd say in an effort to, to try to make out that the words hadn't hit home when, in fact, everybody really knew that they had. Now, it may be true that actions speak louder than words, but I'd suggest that words can hurt every bit as much as physical violence. In 1989, four days after the Hillsborough tragedy, as we've heard recently, the Sun newspaper ran a front-page article with the headline, The Truth, which included what we now know are fabricated lies, claims that some Liverpool fans had urinated on police officers who were trying to resuscitate the dying and that others had stolen from the dead as they lay there on the pitch. Those lies, which many people believed, have haunted the city of Liverpool for over 20 years, doing untold damage to the families concerned and also to the city and its image and its confidence. The truth is that words, whether spoken or written, have huge power for good or for evil. And I want to focus on three aspects of communication which are picked up in the passages that we've heard this morning and I think are really important for all of us as we form part of the worshipping community here at St Matthew's and the ways in which we touch the community around us. And the first one of those is that our communication needs to be honest. And by honest, I mean that it needs to reflect the truth as accurately as possible. When the Sun published the original Hillsborough article, it obviously did not check out the rumours that had been circulated and and simply published them instead. But they were false accounts of the tragic day leading to the, the editor at the time to say just three days ago it would have been more accurate had the headline said the lies and not the truth. And in the letter of James that we heard this morning, he begins by saying that it's a tough call to presume to teach or to preach or to speak publicly, and also that would include to publish things publicly. It's a tough call because with that privilege, we will also be judged more strictly. To carry on the newspaper analogy, the lies and deceit and misrepresentation of many of the British tabloids investigated by the Levinson Inquiry recently have already cost Rupert Murdoch the News of the World publication and with the Hillsborough report there may be more fallout as well. James goes on to say in verse 2 that we all make many mistakes, that we all get it wrong when it comes to to our words. None of us are perfect. And although it may seem obvious that we should tell the truth, there are many subtle ways in which we can, if we're not careful, manipulate the facts. Having spent 15 years as a sales and marketing executive, I know only too well how tempting it is to put a gloss on something to make one's product sound a little bit better than it really is when you're in business and you're fighting for market share. So when I was exploring the Christian faith 12 or 13 years ago, I wanted to check out the facts about 
Jesus Christ, about the claims of the Christian faith. I didn't want to take them just on someone else's word. And actually, it was on the Alpha course that I was amazed and delighted to discover that there are volumes of evidence for the historical truth of the New Testament, and indeed the Old Testament as well. Honesty in how we communicate is really important. And in fact, we came across this issue um, just when we were building the website, because we needed a photograph that would show a kids' church session in operation on the website. But the only photographs we had were from the Holiday Club. And at first we thought, well, the sessions are almost the same, so we'll just put in a photograph for the Holiday Club on the kids' church page. But actually we realised that the photographs of the Holiday Club showed about 100 and something children in the room, and actually that would misrepresent what we do on a Sunday. And so we felt, no, we better not do that. So we took some photographs last Sunday, and now we we have a photograph of the kids' church session. But... Why are these things important? Well, for a start, giving false testimony is breaking the ninth commandment. It's wrong in God's eyes. It's it's an obvious moral wrong to deceive someone. And also, the consequences of doing that are that it breaks trust. If someone knows we've hoodwinked them, they won't trust us with anything else that we say. So that's the first thing about communication. It needs to be honest says James. Secondly, and just as crucially, we need to communicate lovingly. James uses some really choice language in that passage we heard this morning. The tongue is a fire, he says. It stains the whole body. It sets on fire the cycle of nature and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow, those are strong words, aren't they? But it's it's also so true. He goes on to say, With it, our tongue, in other words, our words, with it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. One moment, we can be singing along as we drive our car to the CD player, we're listening to a, singing along to a hymn or a worship song perhaps, and the next moment we can be cursing the driver in front of us who's not behaving in quite the way we would like. Perhaps he's driving a bit slower than we'd like. Nick Clegg, I'm sure, is ruining the day that he sent out the recent draft of a speech to the press in which he called those who oppose gay marriage bigots, thereby risking the impression that he might be seen as one himself. He did recognise his mistake and retract it, but once it's out, it's out, and a lot of people have lost trust a lot of people who hold real concerns as well as moral or religious objections to the proposals. If we don't communicate lovingly, then we will lose our audience. People won't listen to us. But in our Gospel reading, the Apostle Peter gets caught out in a different way when he manages to utter both godly truth and flawed criticism of Jesus in the space of a couple of sentences. When Jesus asks Peter who he thinks Jesus is, Peter correctly identifies him and says, you're the Messiah. You're the Messiah. Godly truth that Jesus is God's anointed saviour of the world. But when Jesus explains that this will entail his own death and resurrection, Peter takes him aside and gives him a telling off and says, no, 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 that's not it. That's not how it works. 
He might have had good intentions, but you see, Jesus is going to the cross. That's what it's all about. He's going to the cross. He knows that now. He's going to the cross for the sin of the whole world. He's going to lay down his life in order that the things that you and I have done wrong and the things that Peter has done wrong will not count against us. Peter wants a Messiah who will overthrow the evil rulers of the day and take the throne of Israel with force. But Jesus has come to die in our place, to lay down his life for us in order that we can have new life starting now for eternity. Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Not because he thinks Peter is the devil, but because Peter is unwittingly trying to thwart God's perfect plan of salvation and thereby playing the devil's game. It's the same game that the devil tried to play when Jesus faced temptation in the wilderness. He was offered the whole world if only he would bow down and worship the devil. And now, once again, through Peter, the devil is, the devil is suggesting that Jesus might evade the cross. As James says, the tongue is set on fire by hell. Back to communication. We must communicate honestly and lovingly. But as Christians in particular, I think we need to communicate confidently. Over the last 50 years or so, much of the church in the Western world has lost confidence in its own message and as a result has failed to communicate a confident message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so unsurprisingly, people have lost confidence in the church. In fact, so many people have left the Church of England in the last several decades that one article in Private Eye magazine speculated that maybe even God has left the Church of England. The article was entitled, God to Leave the Church of England, and it said this. Following the example set by former members of the church, God has indicated that he too is to leave the Church of England. According to sources close to God, he has been unhappy for some time with the direction the church is taking and has now finally had enough. A Church of England spokesman said, losing God is a bit of a blow, but it's just something we're going to have to get used to. Of course, that's a lot of fun and nonsense, but actually we should have confidence in the gospel. The fact is we have the best message that anyone can offer to the world. Do you know, all other, all other religions say that if you're good enough, that if you obey this set of rules, that if you give up this and give up that, that if you try hard enough, you will eventually have God's approval and go to somewhere like heaven. Christianity is the best news in the world because it says it's already been done for us by God. Christianity says that we may be flawed, we may be weak, we may be sinful, but God loves us nonetheless. That in the person of Jesus Christ, he has already done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so that all that is left for us to do is to say thank you. To say thank you for the cross. To say thank you that you laid down your life for me and set me free. To say thank you that I'm forgiven through your sacrifice. Thank you that I don't have to pay the price because you have. 
And when we realize this and when we internalize it, in other words, when we really have faith in Jesus, we get a new life right now, free of all the rubbish in the past. We are all like new men and new women. No skeletons in the cupboard. A clean sheet. And God gives us his Holy Spirit to help us to do life with him. This doesn't mean that life will be easy. That's the last thing it is. Following Jesus isn't easy. In our gospel passage, Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him. And it's, going to, it's not going to be easy. If we become Jesus followers, we will challenge people. But we have the best message in the world. And the evidence of the last 50 years or so is that where churches have had confidence in the gospel, they have grown. And in the last few years in particular, more churches are growing again. And in fact, Anglican dioceses, more dioceses are beginning to grow again in church attendance. Where churches have confidence in the gospel. The world, our parish, our friends, our families, our colleagues need to hear about God's love for them. And if we speak with truth and with love and with confidence, the message will reach lives, touch lives and transform lives and his kingdom will be built. Amen.